if you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 4 and 5 tonight. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. The title of the message tonight is, This Hand Was Made for You and Me. You ever heard that song before? This land is your land, this land is my land. So uh, that's where the title of this message comes from tonight, because it's catching, you can remember it. But it's this hand was made for you and me. Last Wednesday night we learned the wonderful truth that God will not allow the soul of the righteous to famish. Which often means that God will fill the righteous with His grace and give them more in heavenly grace than they lose in earthly supply. But while on earth God does sustain the righteous uh, physically, He gives us our physical bread, Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day uh, our daily bread. So we know that God takes care of His own. We know that that is the will of God. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33, Jesus told us, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? He's not saying don't plan. He's saying don't fret. He says, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And a lot of times we look at that and we put the emphasis on the word first. Seek first the kingdom of God. But the way Jesus was speaking there... He says, the Gentiles seek after these things. You seek after God's kingdom. You seek after God's righteousness. While they're seeking to get their belly full and to make sure they have plenty of earthly provision, you seek to make sure that God's will gets done and that you're walking all pleasing of His will on earth. And He'll take care of you. The the Gentiles are fretting. Therefore, they're seeking provision. We need to be trusting, seeking God's will, and we'll get the provision. So uh, that's a wonderful promise that God does not suffer the righteous to famish in that sense, thank the Lord. So we should trust God to supply our physical needs while we're here on this earth because we have assurance from Christ that our Heavenly Father knows those needs, thus He's going to meet those needs. But at the same time, Jesus let us know that there are some principles of individual responsibility that we must apply to this promise. This is what's important for us to understand tonight. In this verse, for example, we must seek God's kingdom and righteousness first. Meaning we must put God's kingdom agenda first in our lives. For when we have God in our lives in that rightful place that God should occupy as being the preeminent first place in our lives, then everything else will fall into its right place. When we put God first, He will be in the position of leading and providing, and we will be in the position of being led and provided for. Here's a kingdom truth for you tonight. Bible principles 
must always be applied to Bible promises. This is a good one for you to remember for the rest of your life. Bible principles must always be applied to Bible promises. Don't just take a promise and say, well, here's a promise from God. We can always bank on it because Bible principles guide Bible promises and how we trust in them. Suppose you own a bakery, like, I don't know, something like Effie's Cottage or something. Just make a name up off the top of my head. Suppose you own a bakery. I'm just kidding for those watching online. We actually have a lady that owns a bakery named Effie's Cottage here. And I own a small chain of local restaurants. And as a restaurant owner, I tell Sister Elizabeth, I promise to do several thousand dollars worth of business with you every month, Sister Elizabeth, if you'll supply my restaurants with bread. Fresh baked bread, that'll be a good signature thing that we offer at my restaurant. And you like the idea, Sister Elizabeth likes the idea of having that steady income stream from my businesses. But to gain even more profit, because she likes that money, to gain even more profit, she decides to fire her baker, right? And keep all the money for herself. Now, I'm not going to break my promise. I'm going to keep my promise. But by firing your bakers, you're not going to have any bread to sell to me, right? And so that means you'll have no money coming in because I'll have no bread to, to, to buy I'll have no bread to sell. You'll have no money to get in return. So as business principles must be applied to business promises, so Bible principles must be applied to Bible promises. In verse 4 tonight is a good Bible principle for us to apply. In verse 3, we were told God will not suffer the righteous to famish. That's a Bible promise in verse 3. But verse 4 says, look in verse 4 now, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. Now the word slack speaks of a hand that fails to do its job. I don't know if y'all, if they still use the term much today, but I know I've been in work before. And if someone doesn't do their share of work, some of the co-workers may call that person a slacker. Y'all still use that? You got any slackers at Jerry Minnie House when it comes to baking bread for Effie's Cottage? Yeah, got some slackers. But when you call them a slacker, and that's the idea with this slack hand, that the hand is failing to do, to provide what it was put on that body to do. And the Bible says a person who deals with a slack hand is a a person who is a slacker, that is, becomes poor. Now, there's a lot to be learned in this verse. A lot we need to take heart, to take, take to heart. And the first thing we need to take to heart is that it is a sin to be a slacker. It's a sin to be a slacker. The Bible says God will not suffer the righteous to famish. That's a promise to be trusted but then the Bible says a slacker will become poor. That's a principle to be applied. You see how that works? 
God will not suffer the righteous to famish. That's a Bible promise. But whoever deals with a slack hand will become poor. That's a Bible principle. The promise is to be trusted. The principle is to be applied. A man can't lay around the house and play video games all day like a lot of young men like to do because he's too lazy to work and then tell his family, it's okay, the Lord will provide. The Lord will not suffer the righteous to famish. Laziness is unrighteousness. Dealing with a slack hand is unrighteous. So if you're lazy, don't expect God to bless you and say, well, he's not going to suffer the righteous to famish. Don't expect God to bless your slack hand. Expect yourself to become poor, because that's what's going to happen. And this brings us to another great truth in this verse, which is destitution is the natural course of man. You hearing that? Destitution is the natural, irreversible course of every person in this world. You don't have to do anything to become poor. You don't have to do anything to become destitute. All you have to do is sit around and do nothing. It's destitution. Poverty is coming to you. You don't have to work to become poor. You have to work to keep from becoming poor. And no matter how hard you work, eventually destitution, the natural course of destitution, which was brought on the human race on account of Adam, that natural course of destitution will run its course and you will lose everything you've ever worked for. It's going to happen. We come into the world naked and with nothing in our hands, nothing to our name. And every one of us, no matter how hard we work, no matter how much we save, no matter how financially savvy we are, every one of us leave the same way. So destitution is the natural course of man. When a person thinks about retirement... All they have to do, and what they do, is they do the math. How much money do I have, and how many years do I expect to live more? How much do I need every year, figured on inflation and all of that, and you figure it in, and you'll know how much money you can have a month if you, if you live that long, or if you need a certain amount, you'll know what age you'll be when you, your money runs out. Isn't that right, Miss Ann? Y'all have done it, right? You've got Edward Jones and all that. You've gone through all of that. I know Rick and Glenda's gone through all that. You've gone through all of that. And no matter how many years you expect to live, eventually that money's going to run out. You see, we are consumers by nature. We consume we consume food and water. We consume energy. We consume goods and services. And in order for us to consume these things, someone must produce these things. Which means someone has to work to produce them. The goal of going to work each day is to always try to produce a little more than you consume 
each day, each week, each month, each year. You go to work hoping and intending to produce a little more than you consumed that year. And then hopefully, within so many years of producing more than you consume, you keep putting back the extra above and beyond that you've saved, and hopefully you'll have enough to be able to live off of when you get too old to work or too sick to work. Each and every day, poverty hunts us down. Each and every day you get up, poverty is hunting you down, and we have to work to try to stay ahead of it. Hopefully we can keep a few paces ahead. Hopefully maybe you can get a lap around it. But if you slow down, poverty is going to catch up and it's going to overpass you. It's just going to. And this brings us to another great truth in this verse, namely... By God giving you a set of hands. How many of y'all have a set of hands in here today? And I know there could be someone that's, uh, that was born maybe without a hand or maybe without two hands or something like that. And, but, and that's, uh, uh, but that's uh, an exception to the rule. But you'll still see those stubs. You'll still see the design that God made even that person. And by God giving you a set of hands... Your personal set of hands. Whose choice is it what you do with those hands? It's yours. It's yours. And by God giving you your own personal set of hands, God made you personally accountable for producing what you consume. Here's a kingdom truth for you tonight. Each man deals... With his own hands. Now you're seeing where the title of the message come from. This hand was made for you and me. Each man deals with his own hands. Solomon said, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. Look back in your text. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Which means it gets ahead of poverty. God gave you a set of hands. And it's your choice... What kind of hands they'll be. You're the only person who can decide if you're going to deal with a slack hand or if you're going to deal with a diligent hand. You can't say, well, Brother Richard, uh, God did not gift me with a diligent hand. I, I was born with a slack hand. No, you weren't. You may be slack in the heart, but you're not slack in the hand. That hand does whatever that head tells it to. God did not give you a slack hand. God gave you a set of hands, and it's your choice what kind of hands they're going to be. I can't deal with your hands, and you can't deal with mine. Only you can make your hand diligent, and only you can make it slack. I hate seeing a man with a good set of hands. I'm going to get personal now. I hate seeing a man with a good set of hands or a woman with a good set of hands if she don't have a man to provide for complaining because they don't have enough money because they're on a fixed income. That doesn't work. Just because you get a mailbox check 
Y'all know what a mailbox check is? Everyone know? You girls know what a mailbox check is? That's a check that comes in the mail that gets direct deposited into your account that you don't have to work for. It just comes automatically. Those are good checks. I'm not, I mean, hey, I'm all for mailbox checks because typically you have to work to get them unless you're scamming the government or something like that, and there's plenty that get those. But just because you get a mailbox check doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility to meet your needs. I retired 2014 from the state. I got a mailbox check. Every month I get a mailbox check. And it's the same dollar amount every month. Do you know what that means? I'm on a fixed income. Boy, do you feel sorry for me? Sister Ann, I'm on a fixed income. I am. The day I retired from the state, I was on a fixed income. You know what? When I was working for the state, I was still on a fixed income because they paid me the same every month. And I never could understand why there would be people who were still healthy, still had plenty of work left in them. And I'd listen to them, they'd say, Oh, no, I, you know, I, we got to help oh, so-and-so, or we all, I, need some little, I need some help. You know, I'm on a fixed income. Well, I'll fix your income. Get out there and get to work. I want to fix it. If I took that attitude in 2014, I could have just said, Well, I just live off this. Yeah, I tell you, it's not enough for me to live off of. It's not. I could just live off this right here, and uh, and then anytime, anytime something comes my way that I don't have money saved up for, I could look out for someone else to to help me out and just say, you know, uh, brother Fulton, you know, I, you know, I'm on a, your pastor's on a fixed income. No way. No, we don't need to do that. If you have a good set of hands, here here's a catch one for you. You ready? Healthy hand should be a diligent hand. A healthy hand should be a diligent hand, not a slack hand. So instead of complaining about being on a fixed income, I put these hands to work. And by the grace of God, I fixed my fixed income. A functional hand, a healthy hand, should be a diligent hand. The fact that God is giving dishonor to the slack hand, and He's giving honor to the diligent hand, shows us that God desires us to be individually responsible, diligent workers. Every one of us. And this brings us to another great truth in this verse. And I, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it in here or not. I know I did next door. But I really, really respect what Brother Eddie and Sister Anna Marie did. They were on fixed incomes. And it got to where it wasn't stretching because of inflation. And you just heard him in the prayer request, pray for me. I'm going to be taking the test for bus driving next Thursday, Lord willing. Do you know what that means? He said, hey... I got a healthy hand, I'm going to make it a diligent hand. I'm on a fixed income, I'm going to fix it. 
And God will honor that. It's honorable, and I respect that very, very much. So here's another truth in this verse. Remember, God is shaming, He's dishonoring the slack hand. He's honoring the diligent hand. And so that means this, wealth earned by diligent hands are honorable riches. Wealth that is earned by diligent hands are honorable riches. It's honorable wealth. Generally speaking, God doesn't want Christians to live in poverty. I understand we all suffer. I understand there's going to be trials, tribulations, persecutions. I understand that a lot of the apostles suffered poverty. I may suffer poverty tomorrow. There are times when we all must suffer as believers, and whatever comes our way, we stay faithful. But generally speaking, the Bible is showing us tonight that God would rather you be diligent and rich than be negligent and poor. So don't be envious of people who've made good decisions in life and saved their money. That's, that's something that, that, that some Christians have problems with. They, some Christians, they make, they, they make poor decisions when they're young. They get older, they don't have anything, and then they look down on other people who made good decisions when they were young. They saved their money up, they had diligent hands. And don't, don't look down on those people. If God gives them honor for working hard for their money, then so should we. Now let's look at another financial principle in verse 5. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son. Man, I love these Proverbs. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son. Let me tell you why that's wise. If you've ever planted a garden, you know that the time you gather is in the summertime. You don't gather in the winter, that's when you rest. That's when the ground rests. You don't gather in the spring, that's when you plant. You gather in the summer. And so if you gather in the summer, you're wise, right? Summertime is harvest time. If you try to reap your fruit too soon, it won't be ripe. You try to reap your fruit too late, it's going to be spoiled or the animals are going to get it. One the two. So here's what we learn from this. Gathering is a seasonal thing. You letting this soak in? Gathering is a seasonal thing. And a person who gathers in the right season is wise. A wise son gathers in the summer. Look back in your text. But he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. So here we see honor and wisdom for gathering at the right season. And here we see dishonor and shame for not gathering in the right season, for resting when you should be gathering. There's dishonor for that, see? It's honorable to gather wealth in the right season. It is shameful to not gather wealth when it is available to gather. That's what we're learning here tonight. In verse 5, underscore gathereth. Gathereth, now underscore sleepeth. Sleepeth. Let me tell you something. I love my sleep. If I don't get, if I don't get 
the right amount of sleep. I get grumpy. I don't function well. I got to have my sleep. Sleeping is much more pleasant than gathering. Would you all agree with that? In the morning, God willing, my alarm will go off at 5.45 a.m. That's okay. I'm used to it. It'll go off at 5.45 a.m. When it does, I get up, I pray, I get ready for bed, ready for work, and then off I go, and I push myself through the sleepiness, and I get on to work. And by 7.30, before 7.30, I'm already checked on, on at work, getting my uniform on, and I'm ready to go. 7.30, after commuting almost an hour to work. Sleeping's much more pleasant than gathering. There's a lot of times I'd just rather leave that alarm off and just sleep until I just wake up naturally. Sleeping is easier than gathering. I had paperwork to do today. I had stuff to do today. Gathering's hard work. And then, then when, I, when, I, when I get home, I don't, I don't stop working. When I get home, as soon as I get home, I eat, and then I go to my study, and I start doing church work. And I work till it's bedtime. Do it every night. Gathering's hard work. But God expects us to gather our wealth in the summer so we can sleep in the winter. You see what we're getting at here? God expects you to gather your wealth in the summer so you can sleep in the winter. Because, you know, Brother Shepherd and I, we both have very similar jobs. They're, they're both law enforcement related jobs. And either one of us could be called on to use physical force at any time in our jobs. And because of that, our jobs are time sensitive. They're age sensitive. I don't want to be, or I, Brother Shepherd sure don't need to be 65 years old, out on the highway stopping cars and wrestling with some drunk or something. Wouldn't you agree with that, Brother Shepherd? Yeah. Who wants to do that? You know what that means? It means as, as law enforcement, we have shorter gathering seasons, shorter times to reap than others do in different types of jobs. Some people get burned out at work. How many of y'all have ever suffered burnout at work? Just one? Two? You're looking at one here? Yeah. No one wants to say, oh, see, the longer, more hands go up, everyone goes, I'll be honest too, here it goes. Yeah. I've suffered it. I've suffered it. It's human nature. And sometimes we get burned out at our jobs. And, and, and a lot of people, especially when they get in their 40s, they get the feeling of, you know, I, I want to slow down some. I want to coast some. And I totally get that. I totally get that. I totally understand that. But a slack hand makes a poor man. If you retire in your 40s or your 50s, and you live into your 80s or your 90s, then you will more than likely outlive the money you've earned. Your slack years will consume your diligent years. So as long as you're able to work, especially in an economy like we have today, 
and you should work while you're able. It doesn't mean you've got to get up and put in 40 hours each week if, if, just to stay on top. You know what? If, 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 if you're far ahead you know, in the race and poverty's way back there, you don't have to run as fast to stay ahead of poverty. A lot of people, they'll go get a little part-time job or something, low stress, go deliver parts in a pickup truck, whatever. I don't know. Something low stress. And you're able to stay ahead of the curve. If God gives you a harvest time, though, then harvest while there's time. If God gives you a harvest time, then harvest while there's time. A healthy hand should be a diligent hand. A diligent hand will be an honored hand. But if you're resting when you could be working, then you will suffer shame in your winter years instead of sleeping when the cold frost of your older years come on, you'll have to turn to working or begging. And neither one of those are good in the wintertime. With that, we'll go ahead and stop tonight. Man, I love wisdom. I love it. A Christian, Christians should be the wisest people on earth. If we'll learn God's Word, dig into it, and apply it, Boy, we'll be so much better off. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you, Father, for these wonderful people here today. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your truth. Thank you, Father, for giving us hands to work with, to provide with, and truth to guide those hands. And Lord, we know, Father, Lord, that destitution is the, is the, the, the course, Father, of, of fallen humanity. But we thank you, Father, that you do give rest to your beloved. If we'll apply these principles, Lord, we can rest when the wintertime comes. And Lord, we know no matter what, in the end, we will fully rest when Jesus comes. And we thank you for that. Then there'll be no more toil. We'll work, but not by the sweat of our brow, but the joy in our faces. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Please give everyone a safe trip home tonight. We pray again for every prayer request that was mentioned. In Christ's precious name, amen.